The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. So, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Video Insiders podcast. I'm Dror Gill and with me... My co-host, Mark Donegan. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Jor, I'm doing great. Uh, we're back on the microphone. This is fun. Did you notice the fantastic timing we had when we published our last episode with a pellet from Cinemedia? Was it the day we released the episode that he... He announced he was stepping down as chairman of Cinemedia 10 minutes before the episode went live. So, <laughs> right. wow, what a great interview. And uh, it, it was like uh, excellent timing because it kind of summarized his journey over the past 25 years with NDS that exactly. then became Cinemedia and all his insights into the industry. I think it was great. Uh, highly recommended uh, to listen to our uh, to episode 65 with A. Pellet. Uh, and uh, I'm okay. sure you will also enjoy uh, this episode. Uh, because today on the Video Insiders, we're talking about art. Uh, art starts with AR, so we're talking about AR with Yaron Zakai Orr, who is the co-founder and CEO of Arty. Hi, Yaron, and welcome to our Arty. podcast. Hi, Dror. How are Mark? Uh, this is so great to be here. So, um, Yaron, why don't you uh, tell us, uh, Arty sounds very interesting to me. You know, I think we met a few years back in London in some uh, trade show or conference and we sat down for coffee and you told me about the idea you had of putting a virtual studio in your pocket and you know now a few years has passed and this is this has become a reality so how did that happen so the initial idea came um from uh, my co-founders two of my co-founders i have three co-founders two of them came up uh, initially with the idea of what would happen if instead of having to pay so much money uh, to get AR up and running and spend so much time, our customers would have had a service that lets them be up and running in minutes and spend 10x less on uh, AR and have something that you can carry with you that you don't need to have hardware in order to run and uh, they came uh, to me with this idea and, and kind of asked whether I think it's, uh, um, it's feasible and whether we can raise money. And uh, the answer for both was uh, affirmative. And this is uh, how it came uh, through. So uh, you, your plan was kind of to democratize AR, to bring it to a level that more people can use it and not only those high-end broadcasters that can invest tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in professional uh, studio systems, right? Yep, that's exactly the idea. It's uh, taking AR that is at this point um, only available for the high-end uh, broadcasters and make it available for any video publisher. As a point of, of reference, what does it cost to get into AR? So, you know, I know we'll dig in deeper, but, um, you know, this sounds great on the surface, but like, is this a 10% savings or a 90% savings over buying the hardware and, and deploying it? So if you look at kind of the overall cost of creating an AR studio, I asked one of the uh, providers 
um, you know, having system integrators in this area, I asked him, you know, do you think that 250K is too much for that? He said, no, that buys you the basic system. Most cases, people pay a lot more than that in order to have AR in their studios. So that's kind of um, wow. the cost involved with standard AR. Our cost is 10% of that. Wow, that's that's significant uh, savings. And when you talk about AR, you, you're basically talking about an application that I think uh, years back it was called Virtual Studio. When you have a presenter and he's like surrounded by uh, graphs and tables and stuff, or is it, is it more than that? So um, right now we don't provide the full virtual set experience. So it's not that you can be surrounded. It puts graphics in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, we will get there in terms of being able to create a full uh, virtual setup, but that's kind of the uh, idea uh, initially to have graphics that's in front or at the side of the uh, talent. And that gives them the, a lot of capabilities that they can't do today. Your question, is there more than that? Well, of course there is more than that. It's the idea of being able to do live data integrated into your uh, graphics, right. such as what we have done recently. I mean, the last um, race was uh, a week and a half ago, um, a race called SRX uh, broadcasted by CBS Sports, where uh, in conjunction with one of their API providers, we actually created an in-car augmented reality experience with live data. So your own, um, you know, I look at the website and, you know, first of all, well done. There's some really great videos. And it seems to me that you're bringing this new way to ultimately tell a story, um, just the way that you can incorporate motion graphics and uh, very interesting things like even uh, uh, virtual soccer players, <laughs> you know, um, kicking a ball on the screen. Were these demos that you built, uh, you know, just to show off the technology? Did this come right out of your customers or, you know, how are the customers using your solution? So that's a great question. Um, I would say there are three main ways that the customers use our solution. First thing is uh, you might have seen in some of the local TV stations uh, usage, they uh, have been using in the beginning, that's how most people start. They're just using our out-of-the-box graphics, which are customizable and can be uh, branded. But those are the out-of-the-box graphics. That's use case number one. That's used in the beginning in order to create the initial uh, set of uh, content with our system. The next level is what you've seen with the uh, virtual uh, uh, soccer player. And that's when a customer sees a, an interesting animation and they want to integrate that interesting animation, such as a soccer player uh, dribbling a, a ball or something like that, into uh, their broadcast or into their virtual event, which was the case um, in that uh, sense. It was done as part of a virtual event done for uh, all of the soccer coaches in Norway. And that customer downloaded the virtual uh, uh, soccer player, uploaded it into our cloud service, completely self-served, and that was there available for them uh, to do that. So these two use cases, which most of our customers use those, those um, are completely self-served. The next level is uh, if you're a broadcaster, you have a sophisticated design that you want to bring to life. 
And in that case, um, there is a way to tie in imported 3D models with our data models so that the data will feed those models in a parametric way. So what CBS did is they had the vision of what they want to bring into the car. Their design team designed it. They work with our design team in order to get it implemented in Arty. And this is what uh, came as a live experience on CBS Sports. And the trick there is that you don't need to tie in any specific hardware in order to get AR implemented. And that's the magic. That's the difference between all of the current solutions and our solution. So all you need is a camera and a laptop. Well, you don't actually need a laptop next to you. Uh, you need a PC somewhere in the world that's connected to that camera. So as an example, you can have an NDI-enabled camera uh, you know, with the most recent release of NDI. You can have an NDI camera somewhere thousands of miles uh, away from you and a PC in uh, a place where you would probably most, most likely uh, broadcast from. And you can send the video signal from that camera into that PC somewhere in the world. That PC into somewhere in the world will work with our cloud-based um, rendering services. And that's how you, do, you would get the graphics on air. And is there a problem of delay if the camera and the PC that's doing the graphic are so far apart? Well, of course. I mean, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, you can do it. You will have delay. Um, but by the way, you will have delay even if that camera is so remote uh, in any case. So... What you would do is, and this is how most of our customers use us, you will connect a camera. It can be um, a wireless camera, of course. Connect the camera to your standard uh, broadcast equipment. This is how you basically integrate it into a broadcast production workflow. So get the camera source into your controller. From your controller, get it into uh, a local PC through SDI and the local PC will talk with our cloud-based environment and uh, the delay there introduced would be anywhere from one frame to uh, about nine to 10 frames, depending on what use case uh, you're uh, going to, to do. And I noticed that you have kind of two use cases. And I think when we met in London, uh, you talked mainly about the first one, about some Uh, low-budget uh, production with an influencer that's, you know, talking and broadcasting live on YouTube or Facebook and now wants to have those fancy graphics, you know, running around uh, like in a professional studio. And the second use case is when you have a professional broadcaster and they want to go out in the field and be mobile and still wherever they have their presenter um, that he could be surrounded by those uh, graphics. Are you focused more on... on uh, the second uh, use case uh, right now, or are you still catering to those uh, low budget productions as well? What we, we believe is our place uh, in the world is anyone that is interested in making a professional video production. And it can be an influencer, and it can be all the way up to uh, a large network, a significant network like CBS Sports or like BBC. If you look at, at really the core need, there isn't such a huge difference between these two use cases because at the end of the day, it's the ability to be extremely mobile outside of your uh, studio. It's the ability to create content without necessarily having to rely on 3D graphic artists. And as a result, we're uh, seeing ourselves catering to that whole uh, scenario. Now, in terms of 
where do we see success these days? It's mostly, um, I would say, the second use case, but it's a very wide version of it. It can be large networks, local TV stations. Um, it can be virtual event companies, and it can be some influencers as well. So that's where we see most of our commercial success. Yeah, I can see where um, this trend is you know, the, the word prosumer and, uh, you know, there was all this gear. And of course we can think in video about black magic, for example, or red cameras, which, um, you know, at one time we're kind of considered like, yes, very, very good, almost professional, but not quite. Uh, and then now you see that that just dominates, uh, you know, in the professional settings, like there's black magic gear everywhere. Right. So I can really see where you are, um, democratizing, you know, this technology. I want to ask, uh, I noticed that on your partner, um, section of the website, You've got a number of very well-known, some very well-known, and some companies I'm not as familiar with, but two I want to start with is uh, the Unreal Engine. Uh, so I noticed that you were given a grant. Is that the basis of some of the more sophisticated, like in one of your demo videos, you know, there's a, a car that's, you know, 3D rendered and looks, you know, very photorealistic. Is that being done in Unreal Engine or how is that being used? Great questions. So first of all, we got the grant from Epic Games uh, in order to develop the solution. So they contributed some of the um, resources that we have put into developing this solution. And the reasoning behind it is the following. We're using Unreal Engine as our rendering engine. So it's not some of what you see, everything that you see. Now, of course, we in some of the cases with our slur graphics uh, rendering, you don't actually need um, you know, a sophisticated high-end engine such as Unreal Engine, but it's the flexibility that allows our customers to actually choose whether they want to do something simple or they want to do something very complex and do it on the same platform and be able to get 3D data out of marketplaces into Unreal Engine. That's uh, why we've chosen Unreal Engine. We run Unreal Engine in the cloud. So you mentioned the cloud as being um, a major part of, uh, of your solution. How exactly are you, uh, are you approaching this and what part of the solution is implemented uh, locally or in, in that uh, PC that does the rendering and, and which parts are done um, uh, in the cloud? And uh, how are you leveraging uh, the cloud to scale up? Awesome question. So first of all, as I mentioned, the, the rendering is done in the cloud. And that's um, a significant enabler to democratizing AR. Why? Because we don't need a Unreal Engine with a high-end graphics card with a lot of memory and, and a significant CPU per customer. Right. And you know, the 10X part of it is attributed to this because we can run multiple customers on the same uh, servers. And of course, you know, there's no data sharing between these customers. It's, it's a complete clean Unreal Engine that is uh, run for each of these customers. But we can run multiple customers and that allows us to be a lot cheaper. That also takes away the cost of maintenance from our customers to us. And that's a significant portion because if you're a local uh, broadcaster, you do have significant resources for broadcasting, but in most cases, you won't have significant 
uh, resources to maintain and upgrade and keep alive a Unreal Engine at your site. You won't have the capability of having failover. You won't have the capability of being with a constant upgrade, both in Unreal Engine, but also, and even more importantly, in Arty uh, versions. And we update our service, and that's you know how every SaaS company works. We update our service on an ongoing basis. Every week or two, there is an update. And all of that comes along as part of the service. So that's one part. The other part is all of the management of the story creation, all of the content creation is done in the cloud. And that enables a producer that is dozens of miles away or dozens of thousands of miles away from the person that is running the graphics to actually load the story, see that everything uh, looks well, approve it and move forward or contribute content into it in a very scalable and uh, easy to use way. So going back to what parts of our solution are not uh, in the cloud, there's one piece and that piece is the piece that communicates with the video camera with, with the video equipment, both as an input and eventually as an output, because most broadcasters, or I would say a significant part of uh, broadcasters in the world are still not in the cloud. We need a way to bring the cloud into their on-premise infrastructure. And that's that PC that needs to be locally installed on-premise. So it handles the two-way video communication, the, the clean exactly. video going up to the cloud, and then the rendered video with the graphics and everything coming down. Yep. Is that very often NDI or what protocol? Well, I wish that it was more NDI. That would be easier for everyone. <laughs> and uh, for now, you know, we, um, we see that in most cases, people are still using SDI and, yeah. uh, you know, we need to communicate with the SDI interfaces via uh, a video card that's on the machine dedicated or at least used for already now from conversations that I've been having in, in the last couple of months, um, I think that the future of cloud-based productions on the broadcast side is closer than what most of us think. So yeah. I've recently had a conversation with, I would say, a pretty advanced um, broadcaster, and they spoke about a two to three years uh, before doing some of their workloads in the cloud. Some will move a little bit uh, faster, some are moving slower, but we're going to see in the next couple of years, more and more people moving to the cloud. And if your production is in the cloud, you're not going to bring it on-premise to have a bunch of sensors and you know heavy yeah. servers on-premise in order to add AR. Yeah. We're going to be the only viable solution. Absolutely. Have you had any experience with Frame.io's solution? I've heard about them, but I don't know enough about them to, to okay. actually talk yeah, about just... it in a very intelligent way. So first of all, listen to our podcast episode where we interviewed That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they have a solution uh, called Camera to Cloud, which uh, you know is definitely something for you guys to check out. Um, because it seems to to me that as soon as there is this, you know, again, kind of in air quotes, you know, camera to cloud connection, um, uh, whether that's via literally the camera that's outputting, I guess it would be NDI, you know, to an IP network, um, or if it's through some sort of a, of a transcoder or an encoder that's, you know, taking an HDMI or an SDI in. 
and then outputting uh, NDI, um, that is just as soon as you're in that world, the signal is in that world. Uh, that would be great for you, I would think. So, I uh, I totally yeah. agree. It would be great yeah, for us, and yeah. most and more importantly, it would be great for our customers. A absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and and that's really you know what what I mean with that comment. But uh, yeah, the the potential is just super exciting. Now, another partner I wanted to ask you about is NVIDIA. I, I noticed that um, you were a part of, I think, their accelerator. So first of all, we're uh, using NVIDIA graphic cards in the cloud. And, you know, this has been a very collaborative experience. They've enabled us to get access to their accelerator uh, resources. You know, there's a long list and you can take a look at their website and more importantly, you know, to get access to technical resources so that we can get up and running and use some of their technologies, which are enabling use cases like ours. When you're running a real engine in the cloud and you want to do it in 30 or 60 FPS, you need to think about how do I do things in parallel? How do I utilize the GPU and the CPU? and do most of my stuff in memory in the most efficient way. Mm -hmm. And in those places, NVIDIA has done a great uh, job at enabling us to actually utilize their uh, graphics engines in the best way. And it's on how do you use stuff that you guys know much better than me encoding, etc., in hardware as much as you can. And then, of course, a lot of uh, experiences that they are introducing, such as um, using uh, deep learning in order to process graphics in a way that lets you uh, do anti-aliasing in a very smooth way. So things like that, high-end, very advanced graphics that they've introduced. You know, when we met uh, a few years back and you told me about the idea, I remember that the concept uh, was to be able to use nothing but your mobile phone as, as the client uh, device and have everything else rendered in the cloud. And now uh, when I look at the solutions that are published on your, on your website, I see that, uh, you know, this laptop, this PC is kind of minimum requirement. So I guess uh, the mobile phone was too early, right, to do everything on, yeah. on mobile. Yeah, it's too early. Yeah, it's too, it was too early two years ago. Now we're starting to, to, to get this as a requirement from our customers and we're going to invest in that area, definitely. But, uh, you know, Dror, it's... Uh, in some cases, we technology guys uh, think way too early about things and uh, customers are, are just not ready to, uh, to get them up and running. But it's a good thing that you adjusted to the market needs and found a solution that uh, uh, is both acceptable by the customers and technically it's, uh, it's workable and, and enables you to, uh, to realize your vision. Yeah, I hope so, yes. And I think the fact that you're doing it um, in the cloud uh, with kind of... Um, minimum client that just handles the video streams in and out is not only cheaper for your customers, as you said, it's also better because when you're in the cloud, uh, you get uh, the automatic uh, backup and uh, you get those uh, f uh, frequent uh, updates. And once your full uh, broadcast workflow moves to the cloud, then, you know, of course, RT is ready for that and you save the part of streaming the video with the graphics back down uh, to the uh, to the TV station for broadcast. Totally. I mean, when the productions are going to be 100% cloud-based, which we all know the world is moving there, and I don't know if it's going to take two years, five years, or 10 years, who knows, 
but it's going to happen uh, exactly because of what you said. You know, it, it just makes a lot more sense to put a lot of the stuff that is today on-premise in the cloud and just reduce your operating expenses significantly. So when that's going to happen, latency is not going to be an issue because regardless of on which cloud you are, your latency to a, a different cloud is going to be minimal. We can put cloud-based servers in the proximity of your cloud uh, hosting solution so that your um, latency is going to be close to zero. So we're really looking forward to this future of uh, cloud-based broadcasting. Yeah, this is really exciting. Can you share any case studies uh, with us? Yes, of course. So, um, you know, we spoke about CBS, you know, one, one of the most interesting and early adopters of, of Artie um, was the BBC. And the BBC, of course, when they looked at Artie, they said, great, but we want our design in. And of course, that happened. And they used this uh, multiple times and were working closely uh, with their team to get it up and running uh, in more uh, cases. So that's uh, a use case that uh, that we can speak about. And, and one of the things it allowed them, which I think is pretty exciting, of course, the BBC has augmented reality in their main studio. And they used us in two cases, which were very interesting. One was in studio, but not in their main studio. So they covered the uh, election results uh, last year. Yes. Uh -huh. And uh, they did it on uh, BBC World. And BBC World has a location which was not the uh, main uh, uh, studio. And they were able to do a augmented reality there, which was for them exciting because, of course, that made the BBC World um, broadcast look as professional and as interesting as some of the other uh, major broadcasts that they've done and, and others did. The other uh, use case was, uh, and it's on our YouTube, you can see them use, a, use us um, from a garden in the middle of London. And just think about what would it mean to have an AR experience like that with the um, existing technology. It means sending out a van with a lot of equipment and spending a lot of money. And in our case, it was literally having someone with a laptop connected to, to the camera in the field. That's it. Since uh, it's so relevant to mobile broadcasts, are you collaborating with uh, some of the mobile broadcast companies, you know, like LiveView and others? We haven't announced anything, so uh, I cannot uh, comment on any specific name. But of course, we are, um, you know, looking into this uh, very closely. So um, where are you in terms of funding? So we raised uh, our seed funding uh, last year, and uh, we will be going soon uh, after our uh, Series A funding. Of course, you know, we've seen excellent success uh, in the last year, and we're gearing up in order to uh, get uh, augmented reality into um, a lot more um, people's hands uh, to to be used in uh, um, in live streaming, broadcasting, uh, and any video experience, and of course for that uh, we want to accelerate and do it fast, and that's what we're going to raise money for. What does the competition look like for you? So from what we know uh, at this point, all of the other solutions require hardware integration in order to work. So. 
There isn't a full-blown software solution, and definitely there isn't anyone that's currently having an AR in the cloud experience. Now, what's next for Arty? What, what do you plan to do in the future? I, I already heard about two areas. Maybe you want to elaborate on those and talk about a few more. One thing I heard about is going for the mobile phone platform, so you can broadcast without a PC. And mm-hmm. the second I heard was doing like a full virtual set and not just graphics overlay. So can you tell us a bit more about your plans in these two areas and maybe other? So I would say that The, the first one, which is being enabling people to work uh, with their mobile phone solely in a full or even in a semi cloud-based environment that that's definitely a higher priority than giving you the ability to do a full virtual set a full virtual set is is not even in our you know medium uh, roadmap so we're going to do it at some point but we don't have any concrete plans at this point that I can share with you um, other things that we're investing in are are the 100% cloud-based uh, solution. That's something that we're really looking forward uh, to launch, not in the far future. And that's, uh, I think, a very important. It shows our customers that we're looking not a month or two ahead. It shows that we're looking two or three years ahead. And, and that's really the message that we would like to send. We strongly believe in uh, the cloud as the future uh, for uh, video productions. And then the other things that uh, we're looking into um, investing and in, in doing are, first of all, to um, create the ability to have a seamless experience of customizing your graphics in a way that's truly not going to um, require you a graphics uh, person in order to get stuff that someone else did and tie it into the data. Right now, it, it does involve some work from our side. I mean, some very small work, but even that, we would like to create a zero-touch product. So you can download it, or in the 100% cloud-based scenario, you won't even have to download it. You can go and buy some uh, 3D designs from a marketplace and connect it to your data and all of that uh, without even uh, having to talk to our uh, customer success team. That's interesting. So it's really building a platform because if you're talking about a marketplace with graphics that you can buy, so you're mm-hmm. really building this kind of, uh, of platform and not just like a single sale, take this you know quarter of a million dollar system and, and goodbye. You're yeah. really building this ecosystem that will enable uh, your customers very easily to grow with the system to buy more. And of course, it's a great business model for you. Yes, that's exactly the idea. When I said we're going to do everything in the cloud, people looked at me like I you know like you fell from the cloud <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, I fell from the cloud exactly. Uh, yeah. My head is in the cloud or my parachute did not completely open. Something bad happened there. And I looked at this and said, and, and Ro actually, I think the first time I understood it was at this exhibition that you were I think presented there. I just came to understand uh, the, the, the media industry and there were sessions about the future of moving to the cloud and I listened to those and I said to myself, well, 
this sounds like what I used to hear 15 years ago when you know people looked at Salesforce and, and, and said, what are these guys doing? They're moving the CRM to the cloud. Really, no one is going to use it. And, and of course, there is a good reason of why uh, the move to the cloud has taken so long to uh, get through into the media industry. And, and that's the bandwidth involved with uh, working with the cloud and the quality um, you know, and you guys are very familiar with that uh, piece. You know, you, you need to have high bandwidth and you need to have excellent quality of service in order to be able to actually stream back and forth to the cloud and from the cloud. Well, so what's next for Artie? Um, clearly, you have a Series A coming up, it sounds like. Uh, is that going to be later this year or first and next year? Do you have timing? determined on that? We're having internal discussions in order to finalize the timing, but uh, it's not going to be, um, you know, very long. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially with um, the market situation today, you know, it's amazing with all the amount of money that's invested and the SPACs and the unicorns. And you know what I'm worried about is with all those unicorns running around, I'm just afraid that one of them will kind of take a wrong turn with their horn and will burst the bubble to pieces. <laughs> oh, but 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 in all in all seriousness though, talking about video and and bubbles, I, I actually have a very optimistic view. And of course I tend, those who know me, I'm I'm very much an optimist. So I see You have to be through. or in marketing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But no, I tend to believe that the renewed interest in video technology companies and video oriented startups, because you'll remember just a couple of years ago saying you were in video was, I mean, unless you were a content owner you yeah. know, or, or, or something, but, but saying you're in video was in video technology, like, no investor, it's like, yeah, it's commodity. Nobody wanted to talk yeah. to you. No, you know, I mean, it was tough. And, and now you've got, uh, you know, all kinds of API platforms that are just raising money right. like crazy that are, you have a lot going on. So there's some very, very positive signs. And, and I tend to believe that some of this is a return back to recognizing just what the real value is of these technologies, because, you know, you think about what's involved in developing, uh, you know, video codecs and more efficient encoding implementations, et cetera. Like there's real work involved in this. And yeah. it seemed like for a while that Nobody cared too much, you know, at least from the, from the market's perspective, certainly, you know, there's customers very willing to pay and buy, and there's a market for it, obviously. But now I see that, you know, kind of coming back around. So provided it's not a bubble and that, you know, that interest stays and persists and that it grows, uh, then you know what, whether it's virtualizing AR, you know, like what Artie is doing, uh, or, you know, it's, it's more efficient video platforms. Right. It's, it's the areas that you or, and I draw are involved yeah. in. Or automatic you know, dubbing, like we heard from deep dub. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, these are super valuable and, and translate to better user experiences. And, you know, and then that translates to, you know, higher monetization levels exactly. of content. And I mean, it drives real business outcomes is, is my point. And I think this is a great way to end uh, this episode. Um, on an optimistic note, of course. That's right. So thank Your you. Own. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for hosting and inviting. Thank you. It was a real pleasure and we yes, wish you all was. the best. And to all our listeners, keep creating those amazing technologies and come That's here right. on the podcast to talk to us about them.
That's right. All right. Well, have a great day. And until the next episode, happy uh, encoding. What do you say? Happy ha- encoding. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast. If you'd like to appear on the show, just send an email to thevideoinsiders at beamer.com. That's B E A M R.com with a brief description on what you're working on and why you think it's interesting for our audience. This podcast is sponsored by Beamer Imaging. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent.